You know, as we uh, journey through life, we uh, experience and encounter changes. And changes sometimes can be difficult. Sometimes they can be hard to accept, uh, hard to adapt to. Uh, Sometimes change can be good, but it still can be difficult. And as we look at God's Word, and we look at God's plan spiritually, we recognize that God calls us to change. He calls us to be different than we were previously. And that change is not just a one-time, an instant that it happens now and, and that's it. It is an ongoing process. It is something that continues in our life from day to day as we learn more of the Lord, as we dig deeper into His Word, as we are led by His Spirit, we change more and more. God's Word is so important to life. I was struck by a post that I saw on social media. There are from time to time, these uh, you run across these things where people will do things that are a positive or encouraging thing to others spiritually in life. And, and so they, they may offer them something. And, and so I, I saw this one. They were in a, a home improvement store, a large home improvement store. And the, the young man was walking up to individual people in the store, and he said, I have a $10 gift card to this store that I will give you, it's yours, if you can tell me one Bible verse. That's all he asked, one Bible verse. And this post showed person after person, after person, who could not do that. They said things like, oh, I haven't been to church in years. Or they would say something like, well, no, no thank you. And on and on the responses, and I watched this, and I listened to how they responded, 22 Different individuals or, or a couple of people. There was a, uh, one that was a couple of guys together. One was a, a husband and wife or, or man and woman together. And then there were individuals. But 22 different people that he asked, Hey, for a $10 gift card, can you tell me one Bible verse? And they could not. Finally, there was one gentleman who said, I think there is one I kind of remember. I'm not sure exactly where. It has something to do with the Ten Commandments and that you should have no other gods before the true and living God. That was as close as he got. And he gave him the $10 gift card. And I thought about, 
what would life be like without God's Word? I can't, I, I just, I, I, was, I was dumbfounded. I could not imagine going through life day by day, experiencing life and the things that we encounter and the things that we go through without having the strength of God's Word to encourage, to, to, to give a foundation of strength for. I, I just can't imagine what that would be like. And I wondered about those people who who had reached adulthood in life, and, and they didn't know one Bible verse. They, they couldn't quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. They couldn't, couldn't quote that. A Bible verse that I would imagine everyone in this room could quote. I would imagine that all of us could call at least the, the essence of that to mind, even if we didn't get it verbatim, word for word. And multiple other scriptures as well. And I thought about how difficult life would be without God's Word and without the change that He's made in my life. And, and so in Ephesians... The second chapter. If you have your Bibles and turn with me today, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And there are some powerful things that are going on in this communication. And the first thing in the first chapter, we find that Paul is writing about our possessions in Christ. And, and when we think about possessions in Christ, sometimes that's a, that, that can be a little bit confusing. But, but look at verse 7 of the first chapter. We're going to be in chapter 2, but I kind of want to roll into chapter 2 from understanding where he begins in chapter 1. In verse 7 he says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. So he says, listen, the first possession that we have is this, is we have redemption. And that redemption has come through his blood. Now listen to how he describes this, which he lavished upon us. Talking about a possession, he's talking about something that he's given us, and that is redemption through his forgiveness, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mysteries of His will according to His kind intention which He purposed in Him. He says, listen, this is a possession that you have. You possess redemption, which is forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. And He lavished that upon you as believers, as children of God. Drop down to verse 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance. There's another possession. We have an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. He says, you have an inheritance. You possess that. We know that we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And that there's an inheritance that we have that has been given to us, and we possess that inheritance. How do we know that? Drop down to verse 13. Listen to what he says. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, have also believed, 
you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. We have the Holy Spirit of promise that we were sealed with. Notice what He says, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with the view of the redemption, back to that first word we talked about, redemption of God, on possession to the praise of His glory. He says all through chapter 1, Paul is talking about the significance of what we possess in Christ Jesus. And he talks about redemption. And he talks about inheritance. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. And he said the Holy Spirit is sealed us and it has been given as a pledge to this inheritance that we have in the kingdom of God. And so I begin to look at that and I think about all of the things that we have. So many times in life we think about what we don't have. We long for that which we miss or, or, or we don't have or we don't possess. And, and sometimes we just need to be thankful and stop and look at what we do have. And what we do have in Christ Jesus is amazing. It's incredible redemption and inheritance, a sealing of the Holy Spirit, a gift of the Holy Spirit that assures us of that inheritance. And all, he says, was lavished upon us with His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. Now, let's dig into chapter 2 and begin to look at what he says in regards to our position in Christ Jesus. And you were dead... In your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. So here's the first thing that I want us to see today about change. The first thing I want us to see in regards to change in our position is in regards to Christ is that everyone is dead without Christ. We have to understand that. Everyone is dead without Christ. There are people walking around every day. People we encounter people we talk to. And they may appear to be alive. They may think they're alive. They may think life is wonderful. But if they do not have Christ, they are walking dead. There is no life in them. Now, physical life, as we define it, yes, their heart is beating. Yes, their lungs are working. Yes, their mind is functioning. But the Scripture says that we are dead without Christ. And that death is a permanent, without change, it is a permanent condition that doesn't change or flow based off of the physical things of this world. And he defines that for us. He says, listen, this is your position. We were dead in our trespasses and sin in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. 
He said, when we were living by the flesh, according to the flesh, when we were living based off the principles and the ideas and and the values of the world, he said, we are dead in Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, because we know the difference between death and life. We know the difference between someone or something that is living in something that is dead. We can identify that readily. We look at it and go, that's life, this is death. That's the physical realm of this world. We can identify that. He's talking spiritually in relationship to Christ, and he says, without Christ, we are dead. Without Christ, we have no life, spiritual life. Without Christ, there is no hope. There is no future. There is no blessing. There is no abundance. There is no feeling of within of the Holy Spirit without Christ. We are dead in Christ. Now, leave your finger there because we're going to come back to that passage in Ephesians. I want to go to an event in the Scripture in Mark chapter 5. And I want us in Mark chapter 5 to begin to gather a little understanding of this definition of dead in Christ. Mark chapter 5, beginning in the first verse. And they came to the other side of the sea, into the country of Gennesaret. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him any more, even with a chain. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. And constantly, night and day, among the tombs and in the mountains, he was crying out and gashing himself with stones. And seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. So let's look at those first five verses. What does it say about this man in this situation? Physically, he was alive. In fact, physically, he was incredibly strong. That they had bound him with shackles, they had bound him with chains... And he would literally break those, pull them apart, so that there was no one strong enough, the Scripture says, to subdue him. He was the strongest man in that entire area or region. There was no one strong enough to subdue him physically. But where was he other than physically? Well, he was alone. He was outcast. He was living among what? The cemetery, he was living among the dead. He had a physical life, but his physical life was among death. That's where he lived. He would, throughout the the cemetery, the tombs, throughout the mountain region, he would cry out in anguish. He was alone, he was hurting. I would imagine even though he was physically Strong, he was scared. He was crying out. 
And it said he would gash himself. He, he would pound himself with stones. He was in pain. He was suffering. He was withdrawn from society. He was an outcast and rejected by others. And yes, physically, he was alive. And physically, he was strong. But in every other aspect, he was dead. He was nothing compared to everyone else in life. And what I want us to understand today is that that's what it means for us to be spiritually dead. That we are alone. That we are in pain. That we are suffering. That we are in anguish. That we are in fear. That we are outcast. That we are not acceptable. All of the things that we see that define this man, even though physically strong, physically alive, in every other practical aspect, he was dead. That's what it means for us to be dead without Christ. That's what it means for us to be separated from the Father. Now, Go back with me. You can leave your finger there. We're going to come back to Mark chapter 5. So you can leave your finger there if you'd like. But go back with me, if you would, over to Ephesians for just a moment. And we want to pick up where we left off in that earlier passage. Ephesians chapter 2, picking up with me, if you would, in verse 4. Listen to the change. This is so beautiful. But God. There you go. Do we really need to say anything else but God? There's where the change happens. This is the instant moment where a difference is made. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised up with, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He says, here is the moment of change in regards to our position in Christ. We talked about possession in Christ. Now we're talking about position. Our position without Christ is dead. We are dead without Christ. Our position in Christ is is that we are made alive. That we have been given His forgiveness and His grace and mercy, that He has lavished His love upon us, and that He has brought life to us. Listen to those words again as He defines what God has done in us because of His great love with which He loved us. I know about you, but what encouraging words to know that I am loved by God. With which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He changed us. He made us alive by Christ. He brought us from death to life. He transitioned us out of death into life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's our position. Our position in Christ is that we are seated in heavenly places because we are in Christ. In order that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. He has given us the gift of life. He has changed us and transformed us from dead to alive. Change can be difficult. Now you say, what's hard about that? That's the most wonderful thing. It's a free gift of God. Absolutely. Here's what I want you to know. Sometimes changing means that we have to leave some of our old friends, some of our old habits, some of the old things that we formerly lived in when we were dead. And sometimes that can be hard. Sometimes we have to leave family. Family doesn't understand the change. Family can't accept the difference that God has made. And so family will reject us. Family will turn from us and they will shun us because because we're not who we used to be before. Friends will do the same thing. Sometimes it challenges us in regards to work and the relationships that we have there. Sometimes change is hard because God calls us and convicts us to be different than we were before and to make those changes can be difficult. But He has taken us from death and brought us into life. He has changed us from what we were to what He desires for us to be. Now, if you left your finger there, go back with me to Mark chapter 5. And let's pick up and continue reading the story of this man who was possessed. And so, he came up to Christ and he said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God, do not torment me. Now let's continue that, that, that comment. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Now he's talking to an unclean spirit who had possessed this man who was dead. Physically alive, but he was dead. He was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to entreat him earnestly not to send them out of the country. And now there was a big herd of swine feeding there on the mountain. And the demons entreated him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. And he gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine. And the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the sea. About 2,000 of them. Imagine the scene. Imagine the events unfolding of these unclean spirits coming out of this man, possessing this 2,000 herd of swine and them running off into the sea and drowning. And their herdsmen ran away and reported in the city and out in the country and the people came out to see what it was that had happened. In other words, man, you're not going to believe what happened. 2,000 
swine drowned in the sea. We've got to go see this. What in the world are you talking about? And they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been, listen, demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. What? He's different than he was before. He's changed. And, and before they were frightened because of his strength. Before they were frightened because they tried to chain him and shackle him and they could not. Before they were frightened because he cried out. And all of these things are going on. Now he's sitting there and things seem to be very normal. And they're frightened again. They're frightened of the change that they've seen. They became frightened. Look at verse 16. And those who had seen it described to them how it had happened and the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to entreat him to depart from their region. I wonder who they were asking to leave. Were they asking Jesus to leave? Were they asking... I wonder. I wonder who they were really wanting out of their presence. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was entreating him that he might accompany him. Now listen to this. This is what's so powerful about change. And he did not let him, but he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis and the great things that Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Here's a man who was dead. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, in every way other than physically, this man was dead. And when he encountered Christ, Christ changed his life. He brought him from dead to alive. He brought him from hopeless to hopeful. He brought him from from rejected to accepted. He brought him from, from devastated to fulfilled. He changed his life because he encountered Christ Jesus. And when his life had been changed and he had been made alive, Christ said, here's what I want you to do. Go back to where you came from and tell him about the change I've made in your life. And the message he has for us today is go to where you came from and tell them about the change that I've made in your life. I want to challenge you today. When's the last time you sat down and talked to someone about the change Christ has made in your life? About the difference of being dead and alive about the difference of being hopeless and being hopeful, about the difference of experiencing His love, His mercy, and His forgiveness. Because that's what He calls us to. He calls us to change, and then He calls us to share that change with others.